The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. Only two games matching ranked opponents this week, yet it feels as if there are gargantuan games all over the landscape in college football. This is the College Game Day podcast, Picks Edition, for Friday, September 8th. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and as always, when we make picks, joined by Stanford Steve. Steve, before we start diving into picks and wagering and things of that nature, for those watching on YouTube, I believe you're representing the Fullerton Titans, or that is a Fullerton F on your head, is it not? Or is it a Florida? That sure is. is it, as you, I thought you, so. You, no, 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 no. This is the Titans. No. This is the Titans of uh, Fullerton. goes back to a bet I lost with Stanford and Fullerton to now uh, Angels manager, Mr. Phil Nevin. So uh, I was told or had to wear gear. So I, I do like the lid. Though. Would you view your... Um... Would you view your maiden voyage as a full-time member of our game day family as a Titanic achievement? Not not Titanic that crashed, but I mean like giant, wildly no. successful. I would. Yeah, I, would. I you know yeah. I, you know I think I told you, you know Desmond and I go out there early, tape something for Sports Center at seven thirty, and to see and feel that energy was just really, really eye-opening. I had traveled with game day, you know, on the radio side and, and been around the show, but to be up there for three-plus hours knowing, uh, you know, what all comes with it and, you know, doing a lot of things for the first time on the fly, uh, it was as, as fun as I've ever had uh, doing the job. And it was just it was, it was was just really cool to, to be a part of it. Um, and I cannot wait to get on a campus and then we look and see, you know, like you said, the worst kept secret all summer was that we're going to be <laughs> in Tuscaloosa week two. Uh, we're here. It's official. I would love, I mean, you, you would know Reese. Um, I was actually my, my first question for Marissa. Like we have a tally of the number of times we've been to every, like Tuscaloosa has to be up there, right? I think it's second to Columbus. I think um, okay. I'd have to look at that. Columbus leads the way. Uh, we've been to Ohio State more okay. than anywhere else, but and a lot of that has been boosted, um, and boosted by that. I think the statute of limitations have expired on this. So, like early on, well before I was on the show, uh, there used to be, and the entire mindset at Alabama has changed since Nick Saban arrived. Right? Um, yep. I used to I used to equate Alabama and Michigan in terms of administration fans. Only difference was different accents. There was, uh, you know, there was this feeling of we're aristocracy in the sport. You you come and, and try not to bother what we have in place. Sort of like that old Michigan AD who said, Michigan will kick off at one o'clock Eastern time, no matter what. And we say, mm. see where that went. Well, there was a great story from Saban's first year when game day was going to go there. And that it causes, you know, the universities work with us beautifully on logistics. It causes some issues from time to time. And apparently there was someone in the meeting, not a decision maker, but someone in the meeting who said, can't they just go somewhere else? Meaning game day. This is way back first year. (laughs) And someone who was close to Saban looked at the guy and said, are you volunteering to go down the hall and tell the new boss that we're telling game day, why don't you go somewhere else? And that was, that was sort of the end of that discussion, right? Mm. So, uh, yeah, we've been mm. there a lot. And it is, uh, you know, some. this is different, though, Steve, because there haven't been, because of their philosophy of getting into those neutral site games, both for the payout, but mostly for the exposure in various recruiting areas, they've played their big non-conference games in those one-offs. The home-and-home home things mm-hmm. that they've scheduled, uh, starting with Texas, and then there are a ton of them uh, the next few years against the biggest names, haven't seen a lot of those. Penn State came in with Joe Paterno, but this is different. Yeah. It's hard to get that city and that campus excited about a regular season game, particularly in September, and this is electrified. We haven't even gotten there, and you can feel it from the talk that we've had. It's electric there already. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but it is a sense, Reese, I think, and you would know and are, are talk to a lot more than I. I get a sense of we want to show our difference in Alabama, in the fan base. Like, I think Texas is walking in to the old school Denny Stadium at night, and whereas 
I don't, maybe complacent is the word where Bama fans, where they've had these early games and, you know, it's been middle Tennessee and, you know, they have, you know, been up a ton and, and gotten back to their murder, murder ball. They like playing and, and burying teams in the second half and running the ball nonstop. I, I feel a different, different sense. I was there for the Penn State game back in the day. Uh, I was there for the Manziel game. Um, uh, and, and when that one happened and this feels like it's going to be back to those crowds. Uh, I just feel like the the energy and the idea of knowing you mentioned it. All these games have been on the road. Now we get them here in Tuscaloosa. I expect a very raucous crowd uh, Saturday night, and I, I hope uh, hopefully they start Saturday morning. So um, I, I I cannot wait. As I said, it was a little different going out there at seven thirty with a jam place to tape a segment for Sports Center. It was a little louder than taping Bad Beats with Scott in the studio. <laughs> so uh, it, it alerted me, got my focus right off the get. So. Um, it was uh, real appreciated of it, and I, I got like I said, I can't wait to get back to it. I, I was told uh, by someone in the industry about a month ago that this will be the hardest ticket in sports until the Super Bowl. Mm. Now, Coach Prime has made the tickets like if you talk to the secondary market people this week, Coach Prime has made those tickets expensive. Now, Old Boulder's a little smaller than Tuscaloosa, so there's yep. some supply demand in in effect. Uh, but I think we're going to see celebrities. Like you remember, this is sort of the time when the NBA is down, right? Like if you're a boldface name in sports and you want a college football experience before your basketball season starts up. So I think the sidelines are going to be jammed. Uh, I'm fired up to be down there and be like, oh, look, there's that person. There's that person. So I think the energy's coming and it's coming from the student body and it's going to come from one of the great fan bases in the sport. But I do think there is like because it's Texas – there's an extra layer than I remember in Austin last year, like just an extra layer mm-hmm. of interest celebrity that like pushes it into pop culture. Maybe that we, we maybe didn't have before. I think uh, Glenn Powell, who was our, who was our guest picker last year is going to be there. Obviously a Texas fan. I hear he's bringing Sydney Sweeney uh, with him. Who's a rising uh, star actress who will be rooting for Alabama in the game, uh, all kinds of, I'm, I'm assuming that the minister of culture from the university of Texas will be there. Um, still remains to be seen. I don't think there are plans for Joe Namath to be there at the moment, but perhaps who knows, uh, Broadway Joe might decide uh, to come and, uh, make an appearance there and we'll document his what if story in this Alabama, Texas rivalry if you want to call it that as few times as they've played but there have been some memorable games and a a lot of what if moments and not all of them are what if Colt or Quinn didn't get hurt some of them are what if Namath Mm. didn't get hurt what if they hadn't missed a a quarterback (laughs) stepping out of bounds there's a lot of memorable moments and we assume that there will be a few more made on Saturday night in Bryant-Denny Stadium weekend preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage Psst. psst hey listen up The secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Perhaps we need a little more Eckridge Sausage to spice up our lives with our picks. Steve, by the way, uh, high-level meeting yesterday. We're working on um, on your props for your fridge over there, so there could be changes in the offing. They're upgrades already. Uh, you come in one week and you're already uh, potentially getting a whole kitchen makeover. So that's that's a pretty good deal for you. Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. A, a set suggestion? Certainly, I don't even make suggestions about my own kitchen and my own uh, condo. So I'm certainly not uh, I'm not exactly the, the upgrade specialist. But I think Stanford Steve's fridge, you know, all these uh, collectives are brewing their own beer to try to get you to buy beer to, to support the collective. I think like your fridge should have local collective beer in it every week. Perhaps after the show, if uh, you know a reporter's thirsty after trying to chase down all those ankle sprains and injuries, he maybe let's just have a you know nice cold beer in the late morning to, uh, well, to, to 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 do that. Do you think that's a good idea, Steve? Do you think we could muster the muscle of the collectives to try to get some some suds in that fridge? 
That's a great idea. I, I I would think Reese would need something after I saw the pictures. He's got to take post show, so he's the first guy I want to take care of in a post show <laughs> manner. Just talked for three hours, so he deserves it. I mean, that more. line is just. I mean, Roman's just waving him on like a third base coach, and that line was never ending. It was like the kids run to get to run the bases at the end of a game. Yeah. Man, you couldn't even get out of there. So. uh Props to Reese for uh, being the man that he is and doing what he does and being there and seeing it and then being the president, putting that president smile on for those pictures post-show. That was a treat to watch. I always try to, look, you are, you're fried. You don't remember everything that happened. You know, I always go back and watch the show the next day and make some notes about it and so forth. In that moment, it's hard to remember exactly what happened, but the one thing I do try to remember is that when people come up to be part of the show. Yeah and to take their picture or whatever it might be. It might be the end of three hours for me. Mm-hmm. It might be the, you know, 30th picture for, you know, Des coach and me who we, you know, we stay after uh, to take those pictures. It's the first for the people coming up. Yeah. And that's their, that's their personal connection with game day. And I want, I want them to enjoy that. I'm appreciative wildly appreciative to the people who come out there for three hours, hours before the game, oftentimes when it's pretty hot as it was in Charlotte. And as I assume it will be in (laughs) Tuscaloosa tomorrow, you know, they come out there and they want to be part of it. And man, that's gratifying. Mm -hmm. And I want them to enjoy that. And I want them to have a good experience. I don't want them to walk away and go, well, the show, the show was good, but those, those guys aren't very personable or whatever, you know? So I, you know, I want them to, you know, to have a good feeling about it because I'm, really appreciative mm-hmm. to the people who come out and give us the atmospheres that we have every week. It's uh, it, it's phenomenal. And hopefully, hopefully Alabama fans will do that. Sometimes Alabama fans historically have been, you know, uh, I wouldn't say to the extent that we tease North Carolina fans about, yeah. you know, but they're a little bit like, well, wait, wait on the game. I want them to come and show out. Yeah. And, you know, it's a beautiful setting on the quad it's one of the great campuses i think i can say that even as an alum without a lot of bias it's one of the most beautiful campuses in the country we'll showcase that and hopefully they'll come out and and showcase their rooting interest and make for a great atmosphere and we've got some special things planned for them tomorrow morning to make the entire experience both at home and on the quad with us be memorable and certainly the game should be as well how did we do last week on our picks I have a feeling we did we did okay, right? I feel like you're bringing it up because you know you did okay. <laughs> He's the host; he gets to make those decisions. <laughs> oh, really? Did they? hey, hey, Steve? I'm like, listen, I, I did do okay last week. You know, as LC pointed out, Lee Corso pointed out when we were talking about the Ohio State Indiana game last week. Back in the day, LC's team took the lead when he was at Indiana on Ohio State, and he stopped and took a picture of the scoreboard. That's what I want to do right now. I want to stop and take a picture of last week's scoreboard because this may uh, this may not come your way again, right? All good. Props so, to you. But no, I was. I actually, I actually wasn't bringing it up because of that. It made for good content and good fodder right there. We had a laugh, but mostly to set up. Let's see what we can do this week. So, mm-hmm. Taylor, how how did it go last week? You were right. You went five and two. Pete, four and three. Steve, three and four. Overall, Steve is atop the leaderboard, seven and seven. Reese and Pete, both of you guys at six and eight. So very close right now. This is uh, this is exciting. We're going to pick a ton of games right here. So um, a lot of movement could be had after this weekend. All right, let's go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, let's start. Let's start with the big one. What do you say, Taylor? Let's just start with Texas and Alabama, right? Let's rip it off. Texas at Alabama. Alabama, a seven-point favorite. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Reese, Steve, Pete. This is a landmark game for Texas. This is a a prove-it game for Texas. They have been dreadful since that 2009 National Championship game against the Crimson Tide relative to elite program expectations. In that span, since they played for the national championship. Alabama's worst record since then was 10-3. and three. Alabama's worst record in that span is better than the Longhorns' <laughs> best record during that time frame. Think about that for a minute. Texas is 4-18 and 18 in ranked matchups since that national championship game. Alabama's also lost 18 times in ranked matchups since that game, but they've won 67. And among teams that have played 10 or more ranked matchups during that span, you know the only team worse than Texas is Mississippi State. Mm. They're 3-6 and six on, the, on the road under Sark. This is, this is it. This is the moment. I've said all summer, and I stick by it. I have no question, no doubt in my mind, that Texas is going to play great. Sarkeesian, has, his offenses have fared well against Kevin Steele defenses. It is fair to say that Sarkeesian had <laughs> Alabama talent and Mac Jones and Tua and, yeah. uh, you know, and all of those, Devontae Smith, you know, against probably not the same level of talent uh, that Kevin Steele had at Auburn. But he's fared well against them. This is the moment. They'll play well now. The question for Texas about how good they are is how well will they play when the spotlight is not as bright. Games are supposed to win. But on this game, Saturday night, they'll bring their best. I think the real question, the injuries in the Alabama secondary, mm. how well will they be able to defend the deep ball? Quinn Ewers, the numbers suggest he hasn't been great throwing the ball downfield. He hasn't, doesn't have a touchdown pass in his career on a pass that goes longer than 20 yards, according to our stats. He'll probably have one because they're going to take shots downfield against the Alabama corners. All of that said, man, I, I just, I think Jalen Milrow is, is, uh, is going to step forward again. I think he's made a great improvement. I think it's going to be a tight game. And I think Alabama wins and barely covers the spread. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Crimson Tide. You touched on so much good stuff, Reese. Uh, watching the tape, I cannot wait. And this is this is the fun stuff, right? Because you mentioned Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, Jalen Milrow, all the guys on the perimeter. Those are the guys that are going to be talked on the offensive side of the ball. I can't wait to see the matchup inside. Alabama's talked about all, how much you know they've changed and how much more physicality they're going to bring to the table on the offensive line. Well, they're going to get it. They're going to get a big time test. I mean, watching Texas roll through guys on that defensive line, uh, you saw the difference they made last year. They gave it to Alabama up front last year, and all those guys are back. And now, you know, you, you, you factor in a kid's sweat who was a wrecking ball last week. I get it. It was Rice, but they are difference makers up front. And I actually think watching Alabama, you start to see the pieces of the old Nick Saban defenses. You got your, your great rush end in Dallas Turner. You got a guy that looks familiar because he wears 32 in the middle of that defense. He looks like a player, uh, in Lawson and, uh, you know, freshman, uh, safety and downs who was making plays. You know, the, I may be nuts here. I think Texas is deeper on defense. You know, Alabama, they have it. They have all the goods. I wonder about the depth, and and I'm sure Pete will update us, you know, uh, tomorrow as far as, as status for that, um, those guys that, that are on uh, the Bama injury report. 
But I, you said it. I, I do expect Texas to play well. I think it's a classic case of you got Sark who's in control of calling his plays, and on the other side, I think Tommy Reese is going to be a caged animal, knowing what Saban wants to do and establish that defense, but knowing that his team's prepared. You saw the deep balls Milrow hit last week. It was a pleasure to see and see him execute those. You know he has all the goods, uh, but I think it's a classic case. Defense dominates. I think I think twenty four points wins this game. Uh, you know, there's a total out there. I think it's 55 and a half, 56 and a half. I think it goes low. And uh, I'm picking Alabama to win, but I think I'm going to take Texas to cover the number. A lot of a lot of good depth there. And uh, I, I did a big dig in on Texas this week. Talked to the scouts who went through there this summer. And mm-hmm. this may be Texas's best NFL draft class in terms of numbers ever. I think this is the best Texas roster since uh, the the Colt got hurt game, um, that was the 09 season 10 title game. Is that right? Uh, 10 Rose Bowl? Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, so yeah. A, a bunch of scouts have told me that they, they feel like this is Texas's best roster since then. And that in I think it's fair to say that Texas 1-30 to 30 probably has more talent than Bama, draftable talent than Bama. Now, again, talent's yep. hard to gauge, right? Because Caleb Downs doesn't count in that conversation, and mm-hmm. he might end up ten years from now being the best player on the field for for both sides here. So there's there's different ways to look at it, but I just think when you talk to evaluators, they are unusually bullish on Texas and yeah. Texas's chance to win. I've had two scouts tell me they think Texas is a playoff team. Like just simply put, and 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 I value scouts. They go in, they don't, you know, they're not biased by anything but the talent in front of them. So. I had one uh, one veteran scout tell me this, and it was sort of the crux of what my ESPN.com piece is about this morning. Um, you know, so I, at the end of all these conversations, I say, all right, can, can Texas win? Um, and this was the quote, and I thought it was instructive to, to, to making a pick here. Quote, I would think it's the wiring of the player when adversity hits. In the past, they haven't responded well to it. They've had the lead, and once things went bad, they don't recover from it. The biggest thing is pushing through adversity, the mental toughness of it. I think that's what they've lacked. If Texas has to come from behind, I don't know if they can win. If they have a lead, it'll be interesting. So I think a lot of like the talent is going to meet the moment. And that's where, to me, the biggest variable comes in. So I do not yet trust Jalen Milrow to throw the ball down the field. And that is one way of saying I don't trust Jalen Milrow to exploit Texas's biggest weakness. Because if you talk to the evaluators, corner and safety is where they're pedestrian once you get past Jade Barron, who's like a reasonably good uh, nickel, like, but mm-hmm. not, you know, he's not a first-team All-American. He's, you know, a fourth-round pick type teams guy in the league. Again, very good players. You need those players to, to be a playoff team. So, and again, I think Milrow's great. I think he has room to grow. I just haven't seen him exploit a team in that way in the very small sample size that we've gotten. So I'm going to take Texas and I'm going to take Texas to win. Mm. And I'm going to spend most of Saturday regretting it because <laughs> I always try to not pick against games that I'm going to like sit there and be like, yeah, dumb jerk. Why did you possibly put yourself in this position? But I'm going to do it because I am going to, I am, this is, this is posited on the talent and Quinn Ewers being better position with the skill he has. They could have three and maybe even four receivers uh, go to the NFL off this Texas team. They have a definitive advantage at the wide receiver position. Um, so I think Quinn Ewers is better positioned to exploit that compared to Jalen Milrow. I thought what Bill Connolly told us, Reese, on the midweek pod, that Alabama only attempted two intermediate passes. So I think that shows you mm-hmm. how they trust Jalen Milrow. Um does Texas spy Milrow? That's an interesting an interesting notion too. Um, when when you think about the some of the talent they have at, at linebacker, do they uh, do they take Anthony Hill, who's their gilded five star freshman, you know, kind of and put him out there to to make sure Milrow doesn't have those explosive plays out? So I am uh, I am going to hook them, and then you can you can tease me on the uh, on the sideline on Saturday night. No, but you know what you're. You're a genius if you hit that one. And the other thing, too, is if I'm wrong about Milrow, how quickly do they go to Tyler Buckner, or do they? Is it is it Ty Simpson, you know, if they need to to throw the ball down the field, if, um, if that becomes the issue? I think the same thing on the other side. 
Really? You now see, I, I don't, I don't, Steve. I think this is Quinn Ewer's game. Period. I know you're, you're talking about. You're not talking about Arch. No, I'm talking about Malik, Malik yeah. Murphy. Is yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think yeah. he bring. I, I think both. I think. Uh, with Bama, you're going to see. I think Jalen uh, Jalen Milrow and quarterback design runs, and then on the other flip side, I could see Murphy coming in for that if they need that. So. I, I would not be shocked if we see you know more than four quarterbacks in this game just because of situation. Like I said, the beginning of this game is so crazy. You got the, you know the student and the, and the teacher, all that stuff. But I, I just you know Sark, I, I respect the hell out of him as a play caller, and I do as Tommy Reese too. But we know with Tommy, there's a guy ahead of him that likes to, to have the reins on the horse. So um, <laughs> it's it's a fascinating matchup. I cannot wait. Uh, but it, it, I mean, they, I, I think this roster for Texas, you talk to scouts, it could be better than that championship team. Oh, it wow. really could. Yeah. It really could. The, the depth. And that's why Texas is so confident. You talk to them. Those guys have all coached in the SEC. They know mm-hmm. what it takes to go on the road. Mm-hmm. That's what I think breeds this, this excitement and confidence in Sark and his staff, knowing that they're going on the road with, with a full, with a full roster of, of guys that could compete. Here's a stat for you guys. 16 guys are getting written up mm-hmm. at Texas. So now, again, that means they may have 10 drafted, but you also have six like free agent type guys. Uh, the most intriguing, because I get teased on this podcast for going in the weeds occasionally, but I think this is, uh, I think this is indicative of the level of talent there. As Texas has a, a, yeah. a senior DB named uh, Keaton Crawford, mm-hmm. who is such an elite gunner that he's going to probably get drafted late. So again, when you have a guy like that and he's maybe not like a starter, I think that just shows you a little bit of the a little bit of the depth and roster flexibility and how it's uh and how it's built. Now, Reese, tell me this, is you obviously track Bama close. Were you surprised Buckner didn't get in earlier against Middle? Now, this would not have been an indictment of the way Jalen Middle played cuz he mowed him down. But just in terms of wanting to have him get a few more like live snaps before the game was over for the potential of what Steve's talking about, where this game goes a little sideways and you need a different look. Uh, did that surprise you guys? I wondered about it. I think we might've talked about it on the podcast. And I said that was, would be the biggest indication to me of whether there was any separation. Clearly there wasn't a large degree of separation during this quarterback competition, but historically if it's dead even, they have played the other guy third series. I think back, uh, you know, when A.J. McCarron won the thing against uh, um, against Philip Sims, even McElroy and this guy Star Jackson. I think he might have gotten in early, way back in the day. But so that was indi- an indication to me that there was at least some separation mm-hmm. that Milrow had uh, had a little breathing room there it'll be it will be interesting to see the one little thing pete just to endear you to the locals Mm -hmm. this week you you mentioned about the uh the colt mccoy game in in tuscaloosa that's not what if colt had gotten hurt that game is what if McElroy hadn't played with broken ribs and could have actually used julio (laughs) that's that's what they they say very so, fair. Just, McElroy you know, that, that will, will endear you. That's why I brought it up. McElroy <laughs> absolutely hates that part. Well, they call it, call it the Marcel Darius game. I was right? just going to say. They do. Who, who, by the way, I hope I'm not divulging secrets, is an honorary captain nice. for Alabama. Nice. Week, along with Dante Hightower, oh. who was also uh, also part of that. That shows that you a little squad. window so into the we, DNA of Alabama, doesn't absolutely. it? When you got those two dudes as your honorary <laughs> captains. <laughs> Mauler. Love to see it. <laughs> oh man! So we've got um, we've got a an Alabama win in cover from me. We've got a Texas win outright from Pete. We've got an Alabama win. Texas covers from Steve. So hey, the way we I said it, we're covered. Yeah. The podcast has it covered right here. <laughs> what do you got, Taylor? All right, we got a bunch of really interesting games here, so let's start flying through some of these. We'll start with Nebraska at Colorado. Colorado, a three-point favorite at home. That's at 12 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Steve, Pete, Reese. Obviously, all eyes will be on this one in the early window. Uh, noon kick, Eastern. Fascinating matchup of of styles here because say what you want, a Matt Rule, as ugly as it was last week, 
that guy knows how to coach. Uh, and it, it's really – I cannot wait to see what he does, seeing how bad TCU was defensively and knowing he likes his guys in the back end of the, in the secondary for Nebraska. They played great, I thought, last week. I get it. It's Minnesota. It's not the speed of Colorado. So that's the matchup here is what does Sean Lewis do to combat an inferior offensive line against a defensive guy, a guru, and, and, and rule. That, that That's the matchup. I still believe that Colorado's got enough speed. And I Shador impressed the heck out of me with how precise – and how definitive and how quick he was with the ball on uh, this game. You know, being on turf, I, I the advantage, the speed. I see Colorado doing it again. I'm going to lay the three with Colorado. I uh, I'm going to disagree again. So we're going to we're going to create some some separation uh, some separation here. We may toast at the beer fridge the uh, the, the death <laughs> of me in the picks pool in week two, just like McAfee pulled away with the buffs. Uh, mm. I am going to take I'm going to take Nebraska in the points. Um, I just think this is going to be a close game. I think TCU and the way they play with Kendall Brothers as the OC perfectly fed into Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to quote Reese Davis from the Monday pod, style, styles make fights. I just think this is a completely different football game. It's almost like it a is. different sport from what we saw last week. And it's going to, I think, test much further the uh, offensive line for Colorado, which I'm still skeptical of, it's certainly going to test the depth on both lines more. Um, Nebraska ran the belly option quite a bit in, in that game, and, I, and I'll just be curious if Colorado has the fortitude in the front seven to to step up and take a methodical pounding. There's going to be some keep away in this game. There's going to be a lot of QB run from Jeff Sims. Um, It'll be interesting to see how Rule manages the clock because I do think it behooves him to shorten this game. But I am going to uh, I'm going to take the Cornhuskers making it ugly and uh, coming out on top by a field goal. When not much is expected of you, and then you burst onto the scene the way Colorado did, that presents its own set of challenges, and mm-hmm. it will for the Buffs. Not for Deion Sanders; he can handle it. Mm-hmm. Not for Shadur Sanders; his maturity is evident he'll be fine and not for Travis Hunter who is used to the attention but there are a lot of other players on that team who are getting pats on the back maybe for the first times in their career because a lot of them were talented guys that went to Colorado because things just hadn't clicked at their previous stop now all of a sudden they're part of something big and you've got to come back to earth They've got a veteran coaching staff who can do that with them. And Dion, Dion is a, a hard rear end because I don't want to say a bad word on here. He's a tough guy, man. All of the other stuff that, that you see with the charisma and personality, if you think that uh, indicates that he's not tough and hard on his players, you're wrong. He'll do everything he can, but he's also fighting human nature a little bit. But then there's also the human nature of Nebraska. And I know I'm supposed to go short. Sarah, please stop me from doing this. Sarah, please stop me from feeling like Nebraska is going to win because I'm I'm going to take Nebraska. I'm going to take Nebraska, but I want to offer this caveat. If it is a close game, meaning single digits, Nebraska will lose. Until I see them win one close, Nebraska will lose if it's close. I'm going to say Nebraska is able to control things up front. They don't make as many catastrophic errors down the stretch. And I say that they win, that they win by 10. Wow. I'm going to say Nebraska wins. Wow. Okay. That's, I was in Nebraska's defense looked awesome against Minnesota. Yep. Uh, you know, for Minnesota. Yeah. No, it's, it. but it but it's a different yeah. sport. You're talking about John Lewis yeah. offense yep. that is pass, pass, pass tempo, and you're talking about the most deliberate offense in the country. So mm-hmm. I, it is, yeah. This game can go myriad ways, and it's great. This is why we love. Like these are the matchups why we love the sport. And and guys, this is yeah. last last week. We get to see everybody, right? We get to see what everybody. Mm-hmm. We got to see Colorado. We got to see Nebraska. New regimes coming in there now. After this, we learn. 
we learn more about it. You know, we talked about Alabama and mm-hmm. Texas. I, I, I got enough of Rice on tape. I got enough of Middle Tennessee on tape. Now we get to see these teams with what they have when you're talking about, you know, going at it for 60 minutes against a, 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 a level talent team. So that's, that's what I'm so most excited about this week is we get to learn more about these teams. And you know what the biggest advantage Nebraska has, at least when they have the ball? Their style of play will probably minimize the impact of Travis Hunter when he's playing cornerback. Mm-hmm. But a big problem is going to be they can do anything about it when he's playing wide receiver. That'll uh, that'll be the question. That's yeah. the other thing, too, with the rules, Pete. I, I get it. You know what the goal is going to be for Nebraska. What you have to do to take advantage of that is have the lead. Yes. You know, so that that's where coming out. That's that's why I think you see the frustration of teams in other conferences talking about the rules and everything. That that's what it comes down to. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see the contrast of styles. All right, we should call this uh, "Strange Faces and Unfamiliar Places" Saturday. Texas A and M, a four and a half point favorite, going to Miami. That's at three thirty p.m. Eastern. Let's go, Pete, Reese, Steve. A fascinating game. Uh, referendum on the NIL era. You don't want to be the loser of this game, right? You've got two fan bases that are already pretty well ticked off and uh, two coaches that need a jump start to get things going in the right direction. Um, I am going to take Texas A&M in this game. Uh, I'm going to take them because I just think they're a more fully baked cake right now in terms of uh, in terms of talent. I thought Miami blowing out the other Miami on Friday night was a nice step forward for that team. Mm-hmm. Remember, early last year, Middle Tennessee – absolutely curb stomped Miami. They Mm -hmm. they didn't beat them flukily nine to six. They scored 45, ran away from them on special teams. So uh, Miami needs to grow. I don't think they've grown to the point yet where they can match up with A&M's talent. So I am going to take uh, the O's, Jimbo, uh, Petrino, Adazio, and uh, I think they can can go there and score. Texas A&M dropped 52 on New Mexico. You say big deal. They scored a grand total of 51 points in their three non-conference games against FBS opponents last season. Three. The Petrino effect was obvious. Canes haven't beaten an SEC opponent since 2013, and it won't start Saturday. I'll I'll take Texas A&M and Liam. Yeah, you mentioned the 52, Reese. I was dead wrong. I thought <clears throat> I thought it would be, you know, not sloppy, but just more methodical in coming out for AM. And I took on my six pack, I took New Mexico. They did not get there, plus the 38. 52 points, I believe, is the most points they've scored versus an FBS opponent since the 74-72 win against LSU. They come out and score five straight. Uh, possessions, five straight touchdowns to start the game. I thought Wegman looked fantastic. The big thing you mentioned to Pete Adazio, you know, say what you want about the guy. He still knows how to coach, coach offensive line. They have their guys now. I think they were, they were trying to, you know, play guys in different positions last year, and that led to a lot of the struggles early on, including that loss to App State. So I, I, I'm taking A&M here. It's scary that all three of us are on the same side, but this is the, is, I, a, a roster difference to me too. To A and M SEC roster, Miami important for them to take that next step. Last week we saw that Van, Van Dyke looked more comfortable, but I think more A and M just has better players across the board, laying the points on the road. Don't love it, but we got to do it. A strange face in an unfamiliar place. Oregon, a six and a half point favorite at Texas Tech. That's 7 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Reese, Steve, Pete for this one. This is a game I've been excited about since the offseason with Tyler Shuck, the Texas Tech quarterback facing his old team. He was the starter uh, for Oregon uh, during 2020, was benched uh, often in favor of Anthony Brown, ended up going to Texas Tech. It's had great success there uh, for the most part when he's been able to stay healthy. Um, An aside, the dumbest move, the biggest dumb loses more than smart wins ever was my super dog pick, not necessarily taking South Alabama and just being wrong. It's not a big deal. When in doubt about the super dog, take mustard in Laramie, period, always. And Wyoming beat Texas Tech uh, in a really entertaining game late Saturday night, which leaves the Red Raiders really, really desperate because there was some optimism could be a dark horse in the Big 12. Here was an opportunity to get on the national stage. Now it's 
an opportunity to keep the start of your season from really spinning sideways in a hurry. I'm really scared to do this, but having seen uh, flying tortillas and all manner of weird things happen in Lubbock, especially when the Red Raiders are desperate, I'm going to take the home dog. I think uh, Oregon's the better team. I think Oregon probably pulls out the win, but I think Texas Tech will uh, will make it entertaining and keep it within the number. All off season, we were asked to, you know, what do you think about thoughts of the Pac-12? Who's going to win it? Can Utah repeat? And whenever Oregon came up, guys, I thought about the new offensive coordinator, Will Stein. I thought he had the trickiest job coming into the conference because we saw Bo Nix at a level last year we never saw. And when you come in, you have to have some bravado. You have an ego as an offensive coordinator in your own beliefs. How much do you change? How much do you adapt to what you have? I think that's a tough a tough transition. And now you see you go out and score 80-plus against Portland State. That's great and all. Now you got to go and do it against a, a Power 5 opponent. I'm really interested to see Oregon's defense on the road here. Texas Tech is going to create problems. We know that with that style of play. I'm with I'm, Reese. I'm taking the home. I, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I could easily see Oregon winning the game, and uh, but I'm going to take the home dog plus the points with the Red Raiders. Well, I need to disagree with you guys just on, okay. on the simple fact that we just can't have uh, – we, we can't just give, <laughs> give the these graphic. games away. So uh, and I would call it saving the graphics. Sa- I'm saving day. the graphic. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely saving the graphic here. I was on the fence. The, the thing that had me – Pondering Texas Tech was the end of Oregon season last year when they lose by three to Washington, win by three against Utah, lose by four to Oregon State, kind of scrape back and, and somehow capture that bowl game by uh, by a digit against a pretty me- mediocre Carolina team. Like I just don't know if this program is yet built to go on the road, pounce, capture, and kill. But that said – they're going to go pounce, capture, and kill. Uh, I'm going to take. I'm going to take Bo Nix and the boys. They could certainly win win this game by ten points. I do think talent wise, we shouldn't underestimate what Dan Lanning has done there, both in recruiting and in the portal to build that talent to a different level. It has been consistent, Georgia like in the way he learned in where he learned it. And I'm not saying they're as talented as Georgia, but I think they have that blueprint. They have the collective muscle, and they are they are headed towards that paradigm in a few years. The Notre Dame hype train is really going to take off here if they can take down North Carolina State in Raleigh. The Irish are a seven and a half point favorite again on the road. That's a 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Let's go, Steve, Pete, Reese. I mentioned it before. Week two, we get to learn a lot more about teams. We've seen Sam Hartman in that offense. We've seen that defense improve against inferior opponents. Now you go on the road and see what you got against a team and a coach who always has his team prepared. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, I thought, was phenomenal in talking about this matchup. I was at the game in, in Charlottesville a couple of years ago. He missed it against Notre Dame because of an injury. Now he gets his chance to play, you know, the biggest brand in – is it still – we got to use quotes when we put Notre Dame in the ACC, right, Pete? Is that the way we do it? Yeah, it's it's like an awkward marriage. They're like not yeah. divorced, but they're separated. Is that they, like the they call thing? when they want to? Yeah. That's uh, that's <laughs> it's one of those relationships. It's an open uh, relationship, I guess. I, I'm <laughs> ecstatic. We get this game early in the day too. I think that that's one of the most underrated fan bases in that conference in Raleigh. It's not going to be pretty. NC State will muck it up. I will take them plus the points. I need to take a home team at some point, so I uh, I, I think I'm going to do it here. I really like what Notre Dame has seen. I do think mm-hmm. this is just a different class of talent, and there is going to be the the relentless march to inevitability is going to is going to get stuck in the mud here a little bit. Uh, I kind of like that NC State had some adversity uh, in the game against UConn. Like I think you learn a lot from yourself when you do go and and win a road game to start. That is a game you know late 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 in the half. So. Um, and you wonder if they held a little bit back there too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just in, in in that. So I think Sam Hartman, obviously Reese's chronicled this a few times, has struggled a bit against the the goofy uh, Tony Gibson defense. So I think we'll uh, I think we'll get it, and I think NC State will manage to mess it up like it mostly does in these big moments. But I'll, I'll, I like that seven and a half. That's a good number. I would think the under would be attractive here too. I'm not going to be able to save the graphic. Pete referenced it. Hartman's thrown thrown six picks in his last two games against Gibson's defense. But I do think it's instructive to point out that this is an entirely different 
uh, offensive philosophy. So how much of that was was scheme? Certainly Wake had great receivers, great passing game. But, you know, maybe it was a good matchup. You know, the old uh, echo it for the 5,000th time. Styles make fights. So I'm not saying that just because he, Sam Hartman's going to go in and see uh, that Wolfpack headgear that he's going to start throwing the ball to the other team. Not suggesting that. But I like NC State in the points. I, I need to see a little more from Notre Dame before I believe they go on the road and cover against what will be a, a pretty pretty solid defense. NC State had some busts, uh, a couple in the running game that mm-hmm. were a little uncharacteristic in the UConn game. Um, Notre Dame's got a great offensive line. They'll be able to run it some. But I expect it to be low scoring enough for uh, the Wolfpack to stay within the number. Next up, Ole Miss traveling to Tulane. Ole Miss a seven and a half point favorite on the road. That's at three thirty p.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Pete, Reese, Steve. We'll be we'll be quick on this one. I don't know if I trust the wave to stop Ole Miss's run game. So I think this game could be could be junky for a little while, and I think it could be close. But I just think that that stopping the run will be very very hard with uh, with with Junkins coming in, and I I think Lane is going to maybe just try to get out of there with, with a win. But I, I think they, that, that Ole Miss wins biggest game on two, two, biggest home game for Tulane since 1949. So I hope that place is jumping and jacked. I wish this was later in the season because that would be a fun place to have game day. I just don't think the wave is quite there yet to go toe-to-toe with the old SEC. In typical Louisiana fashion, you pick against them one week and they think you you want to you want to just you hate their team. All Reese and I did last week was take South Alabama <laughs> plus the points. And little did we know, those Green Wave fans were chomping at the bit after that game coming in hot, hot and hot. Man, they were they were livid when you pick against their team. So maybe we'll make this an ongoing thing. I'm going to lay the points with Ole Miss. I love the sophistication of the run game Lane Kiffin brings to the table. Judkins is phenomenal. I think they're, uh, I know they have more talent on both lines of scrimmage. Michael Pratt, this is a, this is a spot. If, if, if you're that guy, you beat an SEC team at home. I hate the seven and a half, but I'm taking the road team with the Rebels on the road. Lay the points. I don't hate the seven and a half at all. I gladly give the seven and a half. Hotty toddy, gosh almighty, who the heck are they? Flim flam, bim bam, old miss, by damn. Um, I, and you're right, Steve. All 32 Tulane fans were upset with us. <laughs> but let me make this let me make this proclamation to my great friends in New Orleans surrounding Tulane and the Green Wave. Mm. I don't hate your team. In fact, I love your team. I'm really high on your coach. Uh, I'm happy for you that a lot of the schools that I thought should have hired your coach in the past have not done so. I'm happy for you. He's brilliant. They've got a really, really good team. Mm -hmm. And if Tulane wins this game, I promise you this. I don't care who they play the rest of the season. I will pick Tulane, period. The rest of the season, I have no other option other than to pick Tulane, not if they cover, if they win the game outright, but I'm going to take Ole Miss and lay the points because I, I think if Lane can keep them focused and keep himself you know, locked in and on track, I think Ole Miss has a chance to be really, really good this year. So I'm going to go Ole Miss and the cover. Let's go Cyhawk. Iowa, a four-point favorite at Iowa State. That's at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's go Reese, Steve, Pete for the order. You guys realize since 2018 – only one time has either team in this game scored more than 18 points. <laughs> one time they've scored more than 18. We've had some 18-17s. We've had some 10-3s. But Iowa pays property taxes in Ames. They've won the last five times there. Um, I was impressed with what Iowa State did because mm-hmm. historically they struggle not only in September but against Northern Iowa uh, particularly, or they have a couple of times. I'm. I don't like picking Iowa to cover anything, but with all of the problems with the suspensions, more of them at Iowa State than Iowa, though both have been caught up in the gambling thing. Um, I'm going to bite my lip, clench my fist, and take the drive to 325 and Brian Ferentz to cover the four in a 10-6 victory. I'd love or to see 11-6 all the six because that would cover. 
Iowa. Is that a touchdown for Iowa State or in a missed extra pointer, or is it two field goals? Three safeties. Three safeties. <laughs> <laughs> is there a prop bet on they number were of safeties? Because I'll they, take they, the they over. Were pretty, they were <laughs> well. Yeah, they were pretty. Um, Iowa was pretty good on offense in the first half, and then it sort of yeah. disappeared. But McNamara was pretty good in the first half. They, to your point, Reese, the over under on this game is thirty six and a half. Thirty six and a half. It's like Army Navy. It is. That, that, that is an Army Navy number. All the simulations that could be run, I would love to see how this is not a field goal game. I will take the Cyclones plus the, the four. Stanford, Steve, I'm disappointed in you. As an advocate for tight ends, you're going against a program that ran out, I believe, three times on Saturday in 14 personnel. They did. 14 personnel. Stanford didn't even do that. Like back when David Shaw was doing all those creative things on the O-line. They ran out in 14 personnel. They have two high, high, high-end tight ends in uh, Eric All and Lachey. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the losses that the Cyclones have had collectively, five starters, you cannot absorb that as a program when you're Iowa State. You just can't absorb a five-starter veteran loss and still go toe-to-toe with Iowa. Iowa has had some losses uh, from the gambling situation, but they've been more modest. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you have to just go with who has more collective brute force. I also thought I watched a bunch of the start of Iowa-Utah State. But the offense looked okay. Um, and Kirk was going for it on fourth down. It was, uh, you know, deep, deep in the, uh, deep in the other end. So yeah, I take, I take Iowa. I think this is like a 16 to three kind of game. Watch out for Iowa state's tight ends in this game, Pete. I will say that. Okay. Who do you got? Just, there's a plethora. All right. Plethora. (laughs) Their names will be known after the game. We got what appears to be a weird line to me. Uh, Steve, you can fill us in. Utah, seven and a half point favorite on the road at Baylor. That kicks off at noon Eastern. And we'll start with Steve. We'll go to Pete and then Reese. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the sports books, once the summer comes, put out games of the year. And two this week that really stand out, guys, are the Colorado Nebraska game, which opened as Nebraska, an eight and a half point favorite. We touched on that earlier. They're a three-point underdog now and this game obviously the loss last week the quarterback injury uh to Shapin Baylor was favored in this game in the, over the summer and now Utah you said it Taylor seven and a half point favorite are we going to see rising this line makes me think we're gonna I don't know how much we're gonna see I thought Utah as they do Next man up mentality last week against Florida came out and gave it to the Gators in a game where we didn't know what we were going to see and we saw it. Now we, well, now we learn how deep that roster is for Utah. I can't stand this pick, but I'm going to take Baylor plus the points. I just feel like Aranda will have things to frustrate Utah offensively. Whoever plays quarterback, it'll be a low, low scoring game and the home team covers. I don't think they win. Somehow they make it an ugly game and cover the number. Well, Randa didn't have much, and uh, Matt Pallage, the new C- D.C., didn't have much to frustrate Texas State offensively. They had mm-hmm. no answers. Now, again, different sport, right? Texas State is running and gunning Texas yep. High School football, fun stuff. Utah obviously has a pretty defiant identity that they've had for about 20 years under Kyle Whittingham. Uh, especially with, uh, with the quarterback change of Baylor from injury, the the early read on rising is optimism, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'll have more later in the week and certainly Saturday morning on game day to, to update that. But Kyle Whittingham said this week he's cleared for all practice activities with no restrictions. So um, it's going to be a bit of a feel thing of how he feels at the end of the week. But that feels to me like a pretty good pathway for him to play. And, and Whittingham was pretty clear, like, they're not saving him for conference play. Like, they, they want him to go when he's ready to go. Uh, so I feel like these are two similarly constructed programs and similar similar philosophies, and I just feel like Utah's a a, a step ahead right now um, in point of attack dominance. So I'm going to take them, and uh, the points that number's big and it scares me. So I, I can relate to where Steve went, but I, I think uh, 
I think Utah can can figure it out. I did love Nate Johnson as a change of pace guy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like what a what a weapon he is, and what a what a dynamic, fun player to watch. So look for him to maybe make some cameos, regardless of who's there. Because Whittingham did say against Florida, if Rising played, they were still going to use him in a, in a Wildcat way. I agree with everything that's been said. I'm I'm scared to death because sort of the Texas Tech philosophy against Oregon. When you've been wounded like that and you come back desperate, you, you feel like, even though I know they have conference play ahead, you feel as if your season's on the line here. But I think Utah is a lot better than Baylor, and they they don't flinch on the road. Um, they sort of relish those challenges. I'm going to take Utah to cover. We got time for for one or two more here. Let's uh, let's do Wisconsin. That's why I went short, baby. That's why I went short. Pros pro Reese Davis, Wisconsin, six and a half point favorite at Washington State, 7.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff time. Uh, I don't remember there. Let's go Pete, Reese, Steve. So obviously uh, Washington State won this game last year, which really was the beginning of the end for for Paul Christ. And, And Washington State sneaky put up one of the better week one performances. They hung 50 on the road at Colorado State. Look, Colorado State is not an elite Mountain West program. They were pretty bad last year. They obviously have a, have a ways to go. But if you go on the road against, you know, in an opener against a functional program and put up 50 in your Washington State, which since Mike Leach has left hasn't exactly been a hang 50 kind of program, um, I it, that certainly opened my eyes a little bit and showed that Cam Ward is making some leaps and has some weapons. So that said, uh, I just feel like, Wisconsin will be able to score. They showed they were able to run it, and they I think they can eventually wear them down with the uh, one-two punch at tailback. So I'm sorry for not going short, but I'm going to take the Badgers. Well, good. You go with the Badgers. I'm going with the Cougs to win the game outright. Um, Mordecai threw a couple of interceptions last week, so the passing game still spotty. This on the heels of the spring game in which he threw some interceptions. You're going into the Palouse, Martin Stadium. Um, Everybody knows my affinity for going there, favorite game day. Cam Ward put on a great show last week, but there's also this factor. And uh, a a fellow Stanford alum of yours, um, Steve, once told me that the difficulty of playing Washington State on the road is that you go there and – the hotel's not what you used to. The trip is difficult. The food is difficult. The stadium's small. It's just hard to play there. Well, Wazoo beat them in uh, in Camp Randall last year. I think Washington State wins the game outright. Agreed. I was on Ooh. the field for when Ryan Leaf struck the Heisman pose on us. That was us. That was us that, was, that he beat that day uh, before they won the Apple Cup and uh, went to the Rose Bowl that year back in 97 it is you stay in moscow idaho and you're like where the hell are you here um i looking at wisconsin i still feel like they're gonna they're gonna progress offensively stuff was a little you know working around i i you know two tight ends that i thought were gonna be on the roster they were you know i think asked to leave the program uh, as camp started. So I think there's still some working around knowing how integral part they are and, and, and Longo instilling what he wants. I, I'm really, uh, really impressed with what Wazoo looked like last week. Uh, I went against them. I took Colorado State as my uh, super dog, Reese, and I got but that was that game was over quick. And I give them all the credit in the world to Wazoo. So they're not afraid of them. You mentioned it. They went to, they went to Madison last, last year and, and, Beat them up up front. I think Wisconsin can win the game, but to be safe, I'm going to take the home team plus the points. Last one here. Let's do Big 12 after dark. Oklahoma State, a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Arizona State, 10.30 p.m. kickoff time. Let's go Pete, Reese, Steve. Interesting game because still a lot of unknowns. We do know Jaden Rashada starts uh, – Drew Pine will likely be back either for Fresno next week or USC the week after. Uh, Rashad had some nice moments. The offense struggled a little bit in 25-mile-an-hour wins when they couldn't pass. After the two-hour and 45-minute dust storm 
I was told Arizona State players were uh, doing homework in the locker room because they like had stuff due um, <laughs> that night and it was going to, by midnight, it was going to be too late. So anyway, uh, apropos of nothing, I am going to take the Sun Devils if mostly because Oklahoma State struggled against Central Arkansas. They, Oklahoma State tends to struggle early and Gunny does a good job bringing them along, but I, I, just a boatload of unknowns here. Um, so I'm going to go with the, with the home team, Jalen Conyers, the star tight end, probably the best player on the Arizona state roster missed the second half against Utah state. He will be back, uh, for this game. I'm going to go. You mentioned it. A lot of unknowns here, Pete. I trust Mike Gundy. That's the one thing you look at this game. First time head coach for Arizona state. Crazy circumstances to, to get your first win last week. Rashad, the freshman quarterback. I think we Oklahoma State. We see it frustrate uh, the freshman quarterback. I trust Mike Mike Gundy here. I, I in this situation, I don't know if anybody lost more transfers in the portal than Oklahoma State, especially in the Big Twelve. But I know what Gundy brings is a mantra. They've been in these types of games before. It's gonna. You mentioned it. After dark, maybe a change of conference officially next year, uh, but I will take the Cowboys on the road here. I'm going to do the same, and this is the game that I feel like I've just put on a blindfold and and throwing a dart. I, I don't know what to expect yeah. really from either team after last week, so I'm I'm going to go with even though they lost a bunch of guys, there at least is some continuity and structure at Oklahoma State and Kenny Dillingham, who I like a lot is going to get it going not sure saturday is going to be the time so uh give me the pokes on the road how many picks did we get through there taylor that was a is that a definitely a record let's see one two eleven games and i think only two were uh unsaved graphics right i think only two were unanimous correct that that's good for content we don't we need to save the graphic not everybody be caught up in groupthink or anything like that. That said, when we were about six picks in, I was like, man, I'm trying to go with my gut here, but this feels like 0 and 6. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, so I guess, I guess, you know, I guess, we'll, I guess we'll find out Saturday, but I was like, man, does this feel like 0 and 6? Well, so. there's going to be a lot of teams upset on the road this week. Like that, you could just, as we went through it in this way, it was sort of visceral to me. We were like, oh, there's some, there's some home team. There's going to be some field storming Saturday night on, mm. uh, on college yeah. football rewind. That, that's, that's, there's going to be some Wallace Wades from Monday uh, playing out in some different spots, which is great. Brings a little balance to everything. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Join us for College Game Day Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern time from the quad in Tuscaloosa and continue to download this wherever you like to get your podcast. If you subscribe, we wind up riding your feed and that's a beautiful thing. It eliminates the work for you. Have a great college football weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening.